This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Welcome to the things that matter. My name is Maritza. I'm a native New Englander, now living in the South, managing the business world while keeping my own mental health in check. I've always had a fascination for the brain and behavior and anything neuroscience related. The world can feel overwhelming at times, especially if you don't understand yourself. I thought I did for years before being diagnosed with anxiety and depression. I'm here to show you that you are not alone. I want to inspire you as a listener to be that empowered individual that you know lives deep down in your heart, but I will be the first one to let you know you cannot get there without working on yourself. It starts right here, right now. You can make a difference in someone's life, no matter how small it seems. We need community. We need collaboration. We need people. another episode of the things that matter i have a new guest on today dr chris bowman welcome hello how are you marita i'm doing well how about yourself I'm doing great thanks good uh dr bowman is my dentist here in charlotte um i'll let you tell a little bit just about your practice and kind of what you do and give an introduction to everyone sure i've got a uh, cosmetic and general dental practice on moorhead street here in charlotte about a mile and a half from downtown and i've been there for 26 and a half years I uh, graduated from UNC Chapel Hill School of Dentistry in 1994 after graduating from undergrad in 1990 at the same school. Been in Charlotte ever since 1994. Got a great family, my wife Elizabeth. We've been married a little over 20 years now. We have uh, three kids, uh, Reed, Keenan, and Olivia, ages 19, 18, and 16. So you stay busy. <laughs> we are busy. We are very busy. Yes. Oh, that's great. And it's great to hear how long you've been in dentistry here. So you have, I'm sure you have a lot of stories. <laughs> a lot of stories. Um, some that are probably best not to say on the podcast yeah. <laughs> and many others that are fantastic for any type of uh, any type of setting. Yeah, no, that's fine. Completely understandable. <laughs> um, well, on the podcast, we talk about all things mental health. So wherever you kind of want to start with what you see maybe or in the industry, what you've seen. Yeah, you know, dentistry, it's interesting. Early in my career, I got the question a lot about dentists having a high suicide rate. Mm -hmm. And although I've never been diagnosed with any kind of a mental illness or, or any kind of condition, uh, it's pretty prevalent in our industry. Mm -hmm. I would say that I don't know nowadays if suicide is, is quite the rate that it was reported to be back in the past. But one interesting thing about me is that going through undergrad and college, I changed my major to psychology pretty quickly mm -hmm. uh, because I, I recognized that the study of human behavior and why people do the things they do and why they don't do the things they do that that would be really important for me as a dentist because mm -hmm. I'm going to be dealing with people every day. Yeah. So that was really valuable for me. And it also made me a little more aware of being able to read people's behavior and, and recognize when patients need to be, you know, either treated a certain way or handled a certain way mm -hmm. uh, just for their own benefit and for their own comfort. So a, a focal point of my practice, as you probably know, mm -hmm. is really working hard to keep our patients comfortable, mm -hmm. to put them at ease, to make them know that they're not going to be judged, and to just give them a good experience, which, you know, historically, dentistry is not known for giving people the best experience. <laughs> but that was something that was a challenge for me mm -hmm. to make sure that in my practice that we change the way people feel about going to the dentist. And, mm -hmm. and I think my background in psychology helps me with that because it helps me understand 
what other people are thinking as they come into my practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So personally, I guess going into that, what are some things that you've tried to do in your practice that may be different than others or would be good to have in other practices? Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the main things is just before we start doing anything clinical, just sitting and having a, a quick chat with a patient, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's my hygienist or my assistant, the first person that one of my patients would see when they come in is we're going to sit down and, and spend about five or 10 minutes just asking you about you mm-hmm. and and finding out about your, not just your dental history, but also uh, your medical history. What are things uh, in the past as far as experiences with dental offices that have either been positive or negative? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your feelings about being in a dental practice? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a large percentage of people are very comfortable being in the dentist, but there's a significant percentage that aren't. So we try to get that stuff out in the open early. Mm-hmm. We also want to make sure our patients know that that they're going to feel uh, they're going to be feel like they're very well taken care of in our practice. They're mm-hmm. going to be uh, cared for in a in a conscientious manner, in a compassionate manner, uh, and we're not just going to start doing things to them. Yeah, uh, we we want to make sure they really understand why we're doing the things that we're doing mm-hmm. and why we may recommend any treatment that we may recommend. I w- I want my patients to understand their dental conditions and problems, and also what's going well inside their mouth, mm-hmm. just as much as I want them to understand what the treatment may be that I may recommend, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And you bring up a very interesting point because I think a lot of people, there's, you know, when you get to the dentist, even financially, it might be tough for a lot of people to kind of justify, you know, do I really need this? And you're trusting in the dentist to tell you, uh, you know, what is the best recommendation. So I think kind of that financial just burden might be tough for some people initially, but educating and, and getting through that is, is very big. So that's good that you do that. Yeah. When patients come in, you know, we, we make sure that we take a lot of photographs of their teeth, mm-hmm. as you know, and, and showing them those photographs is very important because I want people to see their teeth the way we see them. Mm-hmm. And what I found throughout the years is that when, when patients see their teeth and they, and they understand what's going on inside their mouths, and when we understand what they want their health to be like, mm-hmm. because we've asked them, you know, what do you want your dental health to be like? What do you want your smile to be like? Mm-hmm. Where do you think it is now? And and do you want it to be different? Yeah. And if they do, then we can show them with the photographs of their teeth, how their teeth or their or conditions may not be going in the direction that they want their health to go. Mm-hmm. And then it makes a whole lot more sense to them when we make a recommendation. Yeah. So we're not just going to say to a patient, you need a filling or you need a crown or something like that. We're going to, we're going to explain the situation that might call for a filling or a crown so that they really understand why we're recommending it. And what I found is that when patients understand that they, they, they don't resist getting dentistry done as much as they normally would because mm-hmm. they understand the rationale. Yeah. It's it's really simple it, and it works in any industry. Yeah, I was just going to say it translates to so many industries. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if I if I knew why someone wanted to put a new roof on my house, <laughs> you know, and I'm not really looking to have a roof. Yeah. But if someone were to examine my roof uh-huh. and, and show me pictures of places where there are huge defects in my roof and I might end up having a really bad leaky problem sometime in the near future, I'm going to be more inclined to say, hey, okay, let's let's talk about doing a new roof or when would the right time be? So, you know, we we try to make sure that our patients understand everything and that we come at it from a genuine standpoint so mm-hmm. that so that uh, we develop a mutual trust. Yeah, that's really good. And I think that applies even to therapy, like going initially for the first time, it's like, 
you might think you're just going in there for maybe a routine check or, you know, something, but you may have to dive a little deeper to figure out what's going on, but it's understanding and educating. And going back to kind of what you said about the suicide rate among dentists, why do you, why do you think that is? Do you know personally, or do you know, do you have ideas? That's a great question. Uh, And again, I I wouldn't know what the suicide rate is now. It's not Mm -hmm. something that I follow. I, I think many people that go into dentistry think that it's more of a technical and science-based profession or field. Okay. And, you know, you go into dental school and you learn how to do dentistry. You learn how to fix teeth and mm-hmm. and, and do other procedures that help people with their oral health. Yeah. However, what they don't teach you in dental school is how to run a dental practice, mm-hmm. how to be in business. And quite honestly, they don't teach you in dental school how to deal with people. Yeah. And if you really think about it, and I've thought about it, a lot of the the excellent instructors in dental school, the mm-hmm. professors in the dental school, the researchers in the dental school, they work in a dental school. Yeah. They don't work in a private practice. They don't work in, quote unquote, a real world setting. Uh, they work in a university setting. Mm-hmm. And the university setting is a whole lot different than a real world private practice business setting where you've got to frankly, help your customers. Yeah. And in our in our case, the customers are our patients. Mm-hmm. So I think, this is just a theory, yeah. that throughout the history of dentistry, a lot of science-minded people, mm-hmm. very well-intentioned folks who are really interested in the technical aspects of dentistry, they find themselves in a situation where they're, they're running a business mm-hmm. and they're dealing with people. And many dentists, believe it or not, are actually introverted. Yeah. Um, I think I slipped through the cracks, but... <laughs> But a lot of dentists are very introverted uh-huh. and you're dealing with a very, you know, a, a ton of people every day. Yeah. So I think it's an extroverted profession. Mm-hmm. So that's where my psychology background, I think, has really helped me as much as anything else mm-hmm. in dentistry. So I think a lot of dentists find themselves or found themselves unprepared for the other aspects of the profession that they didn't anticipate. Yeah. Could that be the reason why... Dentists decide to do that. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's such a technical or such a, a complicated topic. Mm-hmm. But my theory would be that a lot of dentists found themselves unprepared for the aspects of dentistry that they didn't think they would face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. And going back to that and kind of looking at how when you graduated and entered into the workforce, is there anything that you think could help them now? Like if they're looking at it now, like, hey, I'm graduating tomorrow and going to be working in nearly a month, like what can prepare me for today's world? Yeah, hundred percent. And and there are issues now that are facing dental school graduates that I did not face to the same degree that they face now. So mm-hmm. uh, I call it the perfect storm in dentistry. And this is what young dentists face. So uh-huh. the first one is student debt. Mm-hmm. Student debt nowadays among medical students and dental students is massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the average dental student nowadays graduates with over $400,000 of debt. And and that is just a massive mountain of debt that people like me and others either before me or slightly after me didn't have to face. Mm-hmm. I had some student debt, but it was nothing like that. Yeah. So you've got this, this crazy mountain of debt facing you. Uh, the second thing is the rise of corporate mm-hmm. or chain dentistry, where there are, there are a lot of dental practices that are owned by a corporate entity uh-huh. and they're, they're almost set up like franchises. Yeah. So a lot of times they have very good business systems, uh, but also sometimes they're not known as, as for having as great a service. Mm-hmm. And 
younger dentists might be drawn to those corporate dental practices because they pay them a higher salary right out of school, helps them pay off the debt, and they work at a faster pace. But there may not be as much customer service there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there may not be as as much personal attention and care. Yeah. Uh, and again, I'm generalizing. There are many, many exceptions. Yeah. So that perfect storm, along with dental insurance companies becoming much more restrictive, and you know, it's interesting. They they pay an average of maybe fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars per year in dental benefits for most employees that have dental insurance. Mm-hmm. Back in the 1970s and 80s the average dental benefits for someone per year were 1000 to $1,500. Huh. So if you think that far back, 40, yeah. 50 years ago, the amount of money that an insurance company would pay towards your dental care yeah. per year is just a little bit more now than it was 40, 50 years ago. And of course, the dollar doesn't pay for as much dentistry now as it did then. Yeah. So all those things together you know, create a challenging situation for young dentists, Mm -hmm. but by no means am I saying that they can't be wildly successful in dentistry. So back to your question, Mm -hmm. what's the secret? Yeah. I think it's business systems, learning how to run a business and learning business concepts Mm -hmm. and, and psychology, uh, not just pure psychology from an academic standpoint, but learning how to interact with people Mm -hmm. and being comfortable with people because dentistry is a people profession. Uh, It's a healthcare profession, yes, but it's a people profession first. And that's how I view it. Were there any things or findings throughout your career that have helped you business system-wise? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Early on when I opened up my own practice, I linked up with a dental business coach, very specific to dentistry. Uh Um, In the first six, seven years of my practice, I actually worked with three different coaches each program was was either a two-year or a three-year or a one-year program, mm-hmm. and each program taught me more things. Wow. So I was eager to learn those things mm-hmm. and also going through other types of business-related training, uh, marketing training, things mm-hmm. like that, so I could learn how to let people know that I'm there yeah. and do it in an ethical manner versus a, versus a cheesy, salesy kind of manner. Yeah, that's really good. I think coaches help in so many businesses too, and we take them for granted. But even in sales, I'm in sales and I've been in sales, but the mentors I've had and the, you know, the great leadership I've had have helped me so much more than sometimes real world experience because you're learning from people who have already been there. That's right. Yeah. I would much rather learn from someone else's mistakes than from my own, (laughs) even though I've made plenty. Yeah. Even though we have to learn, you know, sometimes they help us the the most. And then going back, I guess, to your personal life, how do you um, practice wellness or, you know, create joy in your life? What gives, what gives you joy and happiness and gets you to work every day? (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting because I'm an only child. So um, I'm, I'm actually quite comfortable sometimes on my own, by myself, just just relaxing, hanging out. I mean, I do a lot of activities with my wife. Mm-hmm. I've got kids that play sports. So okay. I, again, my kids are 19, 18, and 16, and my two younger kids still play sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a son who is actually getting ready to go to college to play baseball at East Carolina. Nice. So he's a serious athlete. And you know, I love watching him play. love watching my daughter play volleyball on the cross. Uh-huh. My wife and I love going on trips together. And we do a lot of different things, whether it's just walking our dog Coco <laughs> around the neighborhood or Aww. or hiking. We like to spend time together. Yeah. Um, traveling is something we love to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I just, I like adventure. I don't like sitting still very much. Yeah. So those are things that I do. And and another thing that I try to do, if I ever feel anxious about anything mm-hmm. or, or um, 
or nervous is I try to do something else to get my mind off of it. Yeah. And, and, you know, that works well, well for me. Okay. I don't find myself losing sleep over anything. I try to, uh, one thing I learned from playing sports at, at a younger age was to what we call flush it. Mm-hmm. You know, if something negative is happening or something negative is looming, you just flush it. Okay. Um, and, and it's easier for some than others, but, um, being able to to compartmentalize and mm-hmm. and move on to other things and then come back to it later has helped me a lot. Nice. What what can you give us an example of like a busy say like a busy week coming up and you already know um, what's something you do maybe to just I don't know relax or create that joy. Yeah. Oh, and I I also forgot, you know, working out, exercising is something really important to me. We just moved into a smaller house Uh from a larger house because we've got one kid out of the house already and Keenan's about to go off to school, like I said earlier. So we're going to have one kid in the house Mm -hmm. for about two and a half more years in about three months. (laughs) So we we downsized. And one of the things that I made a big point to do at this new house Mm -hmm. was to set aside some space in the home for uh, like you said, wellness activities. So okay. we've we've got a gym that I've built in the garage where nice. I can do my my training, uh, mm-hmm. whether it be kettlebells, you know, weights, whatever. I also have it's actually on the way. It's soon to be <laughs> delivered. Um, a personal sauna, oh, and wow, okay. this is going to be an infrared sauna <laughs> uh-huh. with with uh, near infrared frequency. So. I did a lot of research on that and mm-hmm. I found that near infrared light gives some of the best therapeutic benefits mm-hmm. versus other types of saunas. So uh so that sauna and also uh, a new hot tub with a cold plunge. Okay. So I'm gonna be doing some <laughs> stuff that most people would think would be tortuous. No, there's benefits, there's science behind it. So absolutely. I understand that. Absolutely. So I've done a lot of reading about that. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of dentist friends of mine are okay. into uh what we call biohacking. And, uh, so that's where I've learned a lot about that in the past six months or so. Uh, so I'm really excited to, to get those things in place. We're, Mm -hmm. we're just a few weeks away from finishing all that stuff. So yeah, those are things that I do on a, on a regular basis, uh, to keep myself grounded and, Mm -hmm. and just keep myself sane. Yeah, no, that's good. And as a family, do you guys have any habits that are must do's ever, you know, to kind of keep, keep in line with everything? Yeah. Great question. (laughs) We, um, we do. Family dinners at least one night a week and preferably two nights a week. With teenagers, it's very difficult because they're all driving and they're going different places and they're with their friends and all that. But we do get together at least one night a week. It's usually Sunday night. Okay. And we'll have dinner. If we can't do it that Sunday night, then we find another night. But that's something my wife really drives Mm -hmm. hard. And I appreciate her for that because, you know, the research has shown that when families have dinner together, they are closer. Yes. And, you know, back in the day when we were driving the kids to school, we we would often uh, sometimes take turns driving the kids to school. If mm-hmm. I was able to drive the kids to school, I would. A lot of times my practice might be closed on a Friday. So Friday mornings, I always took the kids to school and, of course, taking them to different activities. That time in the car mm-hmm. is, is really valuable. And um, interesting thing about that, I do remember reading research about that, that you can have great conversations with folks in a car because you're both facing the same direction and you're not facing each other. When you're facing each other, for some, it could feel a little bit more confrontational. Mm -hmm. But when you're sitting in a car, a lot of times, uh, because you're facing the same direction, you get a lot more frank comments out of each other, which is kind of interesting. I really like, I love how you put that in perspective. And the car time, because I feel like in the car, most of us are thinking like we have to get somewhere or we're, that's what we're thinking about in the car, maybe put on the music, but having that time to really just talk 
is good and yeah. valuable. We've had some of our best conversations in a car. Nice. Okay. I'll have to work on that. Yeah. To drive more. <laughs> drive more. Even by myself. I've had some amazing <laughs> conversations with myself. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and I appreciate the the dinner sentiment as well. I know my family was very big on that when I was younger. We all, I always had to be home for supper is what mm-hmm. we called it. And mm-hmm. my friends would always make fun of me. They're like, supper? Really? And yep. I'm like, yes, I have to be home for supper. And you're not even from the South either. Uh, well, I was high school was in Florida. So okay. I, I don't know where the yeah, parents Yeah, but that's the North it. all yeah, over again. I don't again, know where my parents know? got that from. <laughs> Um, but yeah, as always, we had to be home for supper, but that was some of the best times as a family, just mm-hmm. kind of all be there and, you know, the most we'd say whatever and anything at the dinner table, but you know, it was time we spent together. So that was really good. Uh, that's nice. Um, and so I guess looking into everything that we've talked about and just, um, in general, are there any kind of tips or advice you'd want to give to people? Maybe people just like, cause just what we talk about is really anything mental health. So Maybe just life tips about like how to get through, how to manage the day, yeah, anything and everything. You know, it's it's interesting as a dentist, I always recommend for my patients to take care of things early. It makes no sense whatsoever to let things get worse. You know, one of the one of the very interesting things about dentistry is that patients often fear pain, mm-hmm. and that's a natural fear. I mean, I don't want to be in pain. <laughs> yeah. So the, what's interesting though is even though they may fear pain. Mm-hmm. They put off going to the dentist or they put off dentistry or they put off the work that they know that they that they should have done to correct their dental problems. Mm-hmm. And I always tell patients that if you if you fear pain, yeah, but you don't take care of the issues that you have, then pain becomes inevitable. Mm-hmm. So the very thing that you fear comes to pass because of the delay. So yeah. translating that into life, I would say that when you recognize that something doesn't feel right, doesn't mm-hmm. seem right, Try to tackle it early, yeah. Uh, because the problem's only going to get bigger. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, another analogy might be a pressure cooker. You know, you, yeah. you 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 bottle stuff up, you don't let it out. You got to have ways to get the to get the pressure and to get the 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 nerves out mm-hmm. to get the energy out. Because if you just let that stuff build up, the only way it can escape down the road is to explode. Yeah. And you know, those things have been helpful for me mm-hmm. to try to tackle things early. And, and again, it fits well with what I do as a dentist, trying to help my patients take care of things really early mm-hmm. because, you know, a, a small filling is easier than a big filling yes. and, and a small filling is easier than a crown or losing a tooth or, mm-hmm. or, or a bigger problem. So, and all less painful, absolutely <laughs> much less painful. And the same goes true with, with mental health and mm-hmm. with our well being. Yeah. If we take care of ourselves and stay on top of it, and if we're more proactive and less reactive, mm-hmm. I think we'll find that we have a happier life. Yeah. And I completely agree. It's part of my story that I tell when I talk about going through therapy and how you have little signs in your life that you should be there, but it kind of comes to, um, for me, it was, uh, I had trouble sleeping and, mm. you know, having full night's rest without waking up, having anxiety in the middle of the night and panic attacks. So that was scary. And then at the gym, I had episodes. So it's like the little things, but Mm -hmm. it happened over time. I just didn't, you know, chose to kind of ignore the signs and it's like, I can can get through it. But things had to happen, you know, one way or another. So thank mm-hmm. you. Sure. Thank you for being here. Uh, appreciate everything you do and Thanks. being my dentist as well. That's <laughs> my pleasure. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and yes, and we'll, uh, we'll give everyone, you know, ways to connect with you as well. So Sounds great. Be in touch. Thank you again. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining in. Remember to subscribe. 
Stay connected and follow me on Instagram at Mari Mari Burr and follow this podcast online at thethingsthatmatter.me. The Things That Matter podcast is produced in cooperation with Balto Creative Media and the Queen City Podcast Network. It is recorded at the Queen City Podcast Network studios in Uptown Charlotte. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com.